Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Dee's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, Dee. Thanks so much for being with us today. And uh, please, I hope you are staying safe. Um, we are having issues uh, in certain areas of our listening area with um, storm surges. I mean, even though we didn't take a direct hit, you know, there's uh, parts of the uh, highways in some cases that are flooded, yards flooded, you know, power outages and stuff. But um, through the grace of God, didn't hit Central Florida, but it did make landfall. Adalia, Hurricane Adalia did make landfall up in the bend in Florida, up near the Panhandle, up near Apalachicola Bay, and um, near Perry, where I have an abundance of relatives up in Perry, so I am praying for their their health and safety. Um, But we want to talk about the people that kind of help try to patch things up power-wise and and make sure that, you know, we can still connect with each other, you know, in terms of, you know, having power, having communication. And that is Duke Energy is one of those uh, entities that does that, and we are graced to have with us um, Ben Williamson from Duke Energy. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's been a long couple of days, but um, to your point, I, I think that everyone uh, here understands, you know, the responsibility and the privilege of what we do and how important it is. So um, we've got a lot of folks that have been mobilizing this morning, and restoration efforts are, are well underway. Well, let's talk about uh, the restoration efforts because, and like you said, it's been a long couple of days because uh, the crews that you have, most of them have, have, well, quite a few of them have had to travel. So, you know, it's it's tr- the the preparation ahead of the storm, not right uh, as of the day of. So, talk a little bit about what that preparation entails, um, and how do you determine how many people you might need for a particular situation. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's it's something that we do not only in Florida, but really across the country in our areas that we serve is, is preparing to respond for storms, and, and that is a lot of different facets. One of the, the biggest, though, is, is resources. And so as of, you know, late yesterday, we had mobilized about 5,000 uh, resources. That's anything from line technicians to vegetation management teams, so those that, you know, will, will clear branches or cut trees. Uh, damage assessment teams that kind of map out where the hardest hit areas are, operations, logistics. You know, I currently have spent the past 
three days, and I'm, I'm actually here now at, at the Village's staging area. It's our largest staging area in the state, and uh, we had about 1,000 trucks uh, here this morning, and it, that number has significantly decreased as we've had crews go out throughout the day to the different areas of the state. Um, but it's all about making sure that, that we've got more than, more than we hope we need um, to be able to respond as quickly and safely as possible. Um, you know, and we also have to ensure that uh, we, we don't do it alone. So we had folks that we've got our local Florida crews that are, that are here year round. But for instance, where I'm at, we had crews as far away as Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky. We had a crew in Michigan come down to, to uh, Tampa Bay, contractors from across Florida, uh, contractors from across the Southeast, Georgia, the Carolinas. So it really is a team effort, and those relationships are certainly very important when you've got a, a storm that has widespread impact like this one has. I mean, it's, there are so many factors that uh, I guess can impede the effort. You know, one is, you know, the wind. The other is the amount of, of water, uh, especially, you know, being along a coastal area or a low-lying area or an area that's even, you know, let's say, um, sandwiched by water with, let's say, a, a gulf on one side and then a river or a massive lake on the other. Um, so, how do you decide, you know, what, how are your people trained to manage that type of situation where the, the weather, weather can be kind of adverse and, and you know, battering yeah. at that time? Yeah, so obviously safety is the, is the number one priority. for Safety for our crew, safety for, for our customers. And there are robust safety plans that must be followed by all of our crew members um, from what they wear to where they can go and when they can go. So, you know, I can tell you we, everyone was in a safe location. They hold up uh, last night and through the early morning hours to get through the storm. Um, they are not, you know, we can't put bucket trucks up if there is uh, wind gusts more than 30 miles per hour. Um, we obviously wouldn't send crews out in the middle of a, of a storm uh, when it's ongoing. Um, so we, we really wait until it's safe to do so, and as soon as it is safe, then our crews mobilize and are able to go out and start those restoration efforts. But to your point, there's a, a lot of different factors as far as terrain, where they're located, um, you know, flooding, are, are, there, are there lines above ground or underground, you know, what was the kind of damage done, because, you know, you can talk about maybe a fuse box, that's not as big of a repair as if you've got a major, you know, infrastructure uh, a challenge. So a lot of different factors, but, but I can tell you safety is and always will be the, the number one priority, and our folks take that very seriously. Um, and so that's kind of the process of how and when we're able to, to go start the work. You all deal with difficulties, too, in terms of uh, down power lines, you know, trees causing the down power lines and having to, to work around that type of situation. Um, road closures and whatnot. So with, with that being said, what have you encountered so far that you know of? What have your crews encountered so far? So a damage assessment is still ongoing. I mean, we've seen some, obviously we've seen trees down. We've seen lines down. I can tell you, you know, and we're still waiting to get a full report from that area, but I can tell you that the northern part of Florida in the Bend, you know, Perry, that area ha has been hit. Significantly, we know that there is significant damage. I, I don't know much more detail than that. We've got a 
storm is moving out of there now. We're going to have to to get crews in there and see where we can go. Um, so, you know, I know that's going to be an area where we will have a lot of resources there already, and I'm assuming we will be sending a lot more there. Um, so we've seen a lot, you know, a little bit of everything, and our crews are all trained for that. What I what I can say is that I would ask the public um, to help us kind of be eyes and ears. So if you have an outage, you're experience, experiencing an outage through different ways. You can use our Duke Energy app. You can go to our website, duke-energy.com. You can text. I want to make sure I give you the, 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 the right, uh, right texture. You can text uh, OUT, O-U-T, to 57801, 57801. Uh, all of those things can report outages, and that will help give us another data point that we can help map, you know, where do we, where are we needed, where are the hardest hit areas. So um, if folks can do that, we really appreciate it. When you stage in a particular area, you have certain needs, you know, in terms of uh, lodging and in terms of um, dining and all that type of stuff. I know, for example, one of the reports I heard was uh, it, not not necessarily your crew, but another crew that came from up north uh, rented out one of the bed and breakfasts and whatnot. What types of things are you in need of while your crews are here? You know, because your crews are focused on other things, but they're the basics too that are being that need to be met. Yeah. So, so we, you know, we've we've got fantastic partnerships, and and again, we've done these kind of mobilizations quite often, and it's become almost second nature for the folks that have done it. And we've got phenomenal relationships and we're able to, to partner with, like you said, hotels, motels. Uh, we've got so much support in the community to make sure that our line workers have what they need. They're able to get some rest. They've got, you know, food and things like that. I, I would say, I think the biggest thing that we can ask for from the community, one is patience. Um, two is when you do see a crew or you have an outage, um, we, we need our guys to be able to stay focused and we need them to be able to stay safe. And, and there's really, when I go back to the extensive safety protocols in place, if you can lead the line workers to do the work and stay out of that area, that, that will allow them to focus on what they need to do and, and prevent any risk to them or, or the individual. So that's one of the big things we hear from line workers is that, you know, there's a lot of safety hazards that the public may not know exist when you get, uh, close to those crews. And so, um, you know, those are the two, two big things. And then again, yeah, just, just have patience and know that we, we work as hard as we can. We, we do kind of have a, you know, a priority process that we work through. We, we first look for anything that co- causes an immediate public threat. Uh, so like down a downed power line that's still energized. We, we have to address that first. And then we look at, um, uh, at medical facilities, uh, uh, law enforcement, first responder, emergency response uh, facilities. So think fire stations, police stations, hospitals. Then we, we, we look for, have there been any damage to major infrastructure? So you, you probably have seen the large, those large distribution lines, uh, large substations. You know, has there been damage to those? And if we can get those fixed, that can do a lot of good quickly. And then, of course, we focus on the smaller distribution transmission lines that run in, in neighborhoods and things like that. But we, we do kind of follow that level of priority while we uh, return power. And, you know, other things that, you know, people don't think about, um, you know, keeping the streets clear. 
you know, is, you know, uh, if you don't have to park on the street, you know, park, if you can park in the driveway or something like that on side, you know, keep the streets clear for your vehicles, for emergency vehicles and everything, and just stay off the roads in general if you can, unless it's an emergency, because, you know, that, that kind of impedes progress as well. So um, I know yeah, you got to go. I know you I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to mention, you know, I think that that certainly is helpful for us, but it's also, you know, it keeps them safe, right? I mean, we, we don't, you don't really, may not always know what hazards are out there. And if you can stay, you know, inside, off the roads, uh, then, you know, you may avoid a hazard that's out there. And so, um, you know, we, our crews appreciate it, but also I, I think it ensures that, uh, you know, our community stays safe as well. So, no, I, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And And like I heard you say before, I just, you know, our thoughts are with those that have been impacted. We're working as quickly as we can. We appreciate the patience, and um, we appreciate certainly all the community support we've gotten, not only in Florida, but the support we've gotten from uh, from really across the country. Well, we appreciate what you do, and, um, you know, thank you for taking the time out because I know everybody's demanding your time this morning. I've already seen you once. <laughs> on one of our our other uh, stations here locally, so thank you very very much, and and take care and be well, and extend our gratitude to your crews, please. I will. Thank you, thank you so much. All right, take care. Take care. Bye bye. So there you have it. I, and um, in the meantime, I wanted to kind of give you an update from um, this was from the uh, National Hurricane Center. Um, uh, from this was in regards to Hurricane Adalia. Uh, 11 o'clock a.m. Um, it went on, came on shore as a Category 3. Um, in that Florida Bend area, that Northern Bend area, the curve, uh, I have even visited up there not during a hurricane. I had a friend that lived up in App- Apalachicola Bay uh, for a while. And you guys, it, you know, it, it's, it, it floods easily. I can tell you that it was just, a, you know, a few days of rain up there and just, you know, trying to navigate the streets with the water coming in the streets and, and being, um, you know, sandwiched by the Gulf of Mexico on one side and Apalachicola uh, Bay on the other one. I, that is was uh, just, it was kind of miserable up there, you know, trying to get around. Um, and I can only imagine what this is. And then, like I said, I, uh, Perry, Florida, I was just in Perry, uh, early last month, um, stayed in, in overnight in Perry, um, and like I said, I, I do have relatives in Perry and stuff like that. And um, re- my husband and I took a slow drive home from that area. Didn't take you know, like the main highways most of the you know part of the way. We took the back back ways, and it's a beautiful area. Um, and like some of the news reports have said, it's you know sparsely populated in some of those areas, but. I tell you, it, you know, it, it is kind of kind of flatlands, kind of lowlands, a lot of marshy areas, as some of the news reports have mentioned and stuff. And so it's subject to get uh, flooded really easily, you know, so just keep those people in prayer. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we, and and uh, at noon, at the top of the hour, we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about Black Business Month. Uh, one of our regular guests is going to talk about uh, his business and, uh, you know, the challenges of, of being a black business. So, But we're going to take a quick break. If you have 
anything that you want to contribute, any any outages that you've, you know, encountered or know of, any street flooding, any, any issues with regards to the, to the hurricane, even though you're not in the thick of it, there there has been um, some issues. Uh, give us a call. The number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Um, so from what I've seen so far uh, on Hurricane Adalia, it has, uh, I guess, already uh, weakened to a Category 1, but it is checking kind of hard and fast, uh, already in Georgia, and is uh, uh, possibly um, – expect it to go through Georgia and into South Carolina um, and eastern North Carolina into Thursday. So, um, you know, just we want everybody to kind of be safe and keep everybody in in prayer. Uh, There are some power outages. I don't have the numbers, but um, we we just know that uh, there are some power outages. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> uh, I got, and I want to thank those people that were concerned. I got um, uh, a text from my friend Ava in uh, Illinois, and she was like, you know, be careful and everything. And I'm like, oh, you know, going to be fine. It's not not going to be big big deal. Um, and, and you know, we're fine. No power outages, nothing like that. And I'm I'm spending the the dreary day here um, doing some cooking <laughs> and catching up on some cooking and some other things. So uh, just, you know, taking time, taking the, the opportunity uh, with the, um, the television being occupied with the weather to just, uh, just chill myself and then also to catch up on some other things. But um, uh, my CEO princess has said, you know, you know, because yesterday we did not do a live show to go prepare for the storm and everything. I'm like, ah, no big deal and everything. And so, and I went out yesterday and I went to out, I was in Altamont Springs, um, Florida, which is, you know, kind of a little north, northeast of uh, where I am. And uh, was, you know, just kind of goofing off. And when I went to the store and it was beautiful and everything and coming out of the store and the skies just, you know, changed and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, let me get on home. And so I got home and the skies were pretty and everything and I'm sitting here and everything. And all of a sudden I hear rain, I hear wind and the sky still looks kind of, you know, it's not dark, (laughs) not really. Uh, but I just heard a lot of noise, so I said, "Okay," and it went by quickly. And then 
I went outside and needless to say, I'll be spending some time. <laughs> it won't be Friday in the garden, but maybe Saturday in the garden. I had some flower pots. I just was like, oh, I'll deal with them later and stuff like that. But in the little bit of time yesterday afternoon that whatever it was blew by, um, I have those, some of those pots, plants, you know, that have the, the tri, I guess, tripod sections. Um, I found some of my pots in my neighbor's yard. I found some of my pots over by my mailbox and everything. And so I just had to go and collect my flower pots and turn some others right by, right up, right side up. And some of my solar lights that, um, I'm glad they didn't get collected. Uh, they could have been trajectories. Um, they, they, I have some that have a, have a stake and they stick in the ground. So I, I kind of gathered all of that stuff up and, and I, you know, bundled them and put them in a, in a safe corner. So I'll be going back outside today to do some inspection. Um, because you just, you just never know. It's, it, you don't have to have a direct hit. You know, but you should you should be prepared, and I should have been better prepared. I should know better. Um, but in the meantime, we do have a number of closures right now. You know, Orange County schools are closed right now, and and I just need to say something uh, about that because there's been a lot of questions about well, why did the schools close and why did that close and everything like that. You know, it's it's a safety precaution. Uh, are you really that anxious to have your child stand at a bus bus stop with howling winds and rains and, and stuff and subject to get blown into the street, you know, by a gust, unexpected gust, um, or, you know, or have your, uh, your child's bus be impacted by um, unexpected winds or whatever? just for the sake of getting them out of the house and, and having them go to school. Um, safety first, y'all, please. You know, I mean, it, you just it's all unexpected. And we're still going to get some gusts of winds. And, in fact, I'm hearing a little more rain coming right now. Uh, I just wanted to just, uh, you know, advise everybody, just please, you know, take the precaution. It's not going to hurt. Uh, it may be a little inconvenient. So what? You know, but just just take the time to, you know, be thankful that, uh, you know, you don't have uh, to to worry about what's going on up in in North Florida, you know. And in other parts, I saw some video of um, in the Tampa area on 275 where uh, people were trying to drive down 275 and the, the waters of the bay are coming up over the side of 275. 275 is is a link uh, between uh, I-75, one part of I-75 and, and the other part of I-75, and it cuts through the Tampa area and in and down through the St. Pete area and back like almost to Bradenton uh, to to get from one part of 75 to the other. So, and the video is showing the water lapping in, in uh, over part of that area um, and people trying to drive through it. And I'm hoping that they've kind of shut part of that down now. Um, your your life and safety is not worth it. You know, so just, just kind of remember that. And we are still going to get 
some squalls and stuff. Like I said, we are I'm hearing some rain right now coming through. And then over on our East Coast, uh, we got to keep them in prayer. A lot of our East Coast are, suffered a lot of uh, erosion because of Ian and Nicole last year. And unfortunately, they are getting some of these squalls as well, not necessarily just from Adalia, but I think Hurricane Franklin that was out in the Atlantic. Um, and because of what we've got occurring now, which is the uh, for blue moon, which is uh, the, the blue moon is the second new moon that, that, that occurs in a month. So we are experiencing that as well as the super moon, which actually uh, the, the orbit of the moon puts the moon closer to the earth around this period of time than it usually does. Between both of those, we have a strong pull um, on the earth, which causes, you know, more uh, generates more um, activity with the tides and stuff like that. And because of that, we're experiencing a lot more of impact on our coastal areas. So, you know, we still have to, even though Adalia came in on north, the north side, northwest side of the Gulf, and into in the into the Gulf, into onto the northwest side of Florida, we still have to worry about you know our residents and and our coastal areas um, that still have not recovered on the east side. So. Um, just wanted to ask everybody to to be mindful of that and keep everybody keep everybody in prayer. Um, don't be in such a rush to get back to uh, <laughs> normal. Just take the time. You know, God has a reason sometimes that He, uh, you know, allows us to um, just take a break. You know, whether we want to or not. So, anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. We are going to celebrate Black Business Month. Um, Chef George Ashford is going to be on with us from CBB Stro. He's going to tell us about, you know, having a black business in Central Florida and, uh, you know, share his thoughts. And if you have a black business here in Central Florida and you want to join the conversation, the number is 516-387-1944. That is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arglatex, and I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Are you Hello, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And like I said earlier, we do want to um, keep our thoughts and prayers with uh, the people who have been severely impacted by 
um, Hurricane Adalia and, and uh, just hope that this uh, storm just kind of subsides quickly uh, because I know, for example, um, it is headed up uh, toward, the, you know, into Georgia and into the Carolinas. And, uh, Princess, I hope you get, you are pre- more prepared than I was and are, and are doing okay. But in the meantime, we want to celebrate uh, Black Business Month, and uh, we're at, I've asked uh, a couple people to join, join us uh, today. Um, Chef George Ashford, are you there? I am. How are you? All right. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, G. How you? Yeah. Doing well. So, doing well in this storm. Yes. 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 I I hope you haven't had any issues with with you know the the little bit that we've encountered so far. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Good, good. So now I've been blessed to have Chef George Ashford from CBB Stro on with us for the past several months um, on the uh, third Wednesday of the month to share recipes and thoughts on, on good food and good cooking. And um, Chef George does a lot of catering in the area, but, you know, he is one of the many black businesses and in, in Central Florida, and I wanted to just kind of I guess get some insight from you in terms of how goes the challenge of being a black business here in Central Florida for you. Well, I'm from Chicago originally, but I've been in Florida. I've been in the Orlando area for 28 years. And um, when I first came to Orlando, I I found it was I it was a complete paradigm shift for me. I had to you know I had to kind of re think how I do business. Um, it's been some challenges. I've, I've had, you know, a few challenges. But um, it's once you understand the landscape, you know, that's an important thing. Even a community, like if you're opening up a, a restaurant, for example, open up my first restaurant, in in Smokehouse, that was in, in 99 um, here in Orlando, also in the Metro West area. And um, coming from Chicago, I had the same restaurant in Chicago, but on a larger scale. Uh, the neighborhood, even the distance of, uh, say, about four or five blocks, is a complete difference in in the communities. So you have to know the community that you're in. You have to know the placement, for example, of where your business is and how accessible it is to uh, to people. Um, by that I mean, for example, in Chicago, if your business were were in like a small shopping mall that's just going, let's say the traffic is going north northbound, um, and you had to make a U-turn to come back, that's not a problem. But here, it's a different mindset. You know, people will just keep driving to the next location. So you have to kind of, you know, you have to know the area. You have to understand um, the environment that you're in. That's most important. So what 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 made you select your location? Well, um, it was in the Metro West community. I lived in the Metro West community, and I thought it was a really, really good community, and it is. It's a great community. So the location was uh, selected, you know, by demographics and, uh, you know, uh, income and all those other different uh, charts that you select. But uh, but once again, 
um, you know, you have to have a plan. You have to really know the community. And I didn't really know the community at that time. You know, so like I said, just a few blocks away where our business is today, it makes a complete difference if you for a particular type of clientele that you're trying to get. So, um, it's so demographics are very very important. also knowing your craft in uh, as an entrepreneur to actually know what you're doing to really get all the expertise and and all the knowledge you possibly can about uh, your particular business. You know, so that that would be my advice to a person going into business to actually um, study that business. I mean, you know, when you go to work uh, as a waiter, study how the front dining room is set up. Uh, pay attention to the floor plan. Pay attention to the kitchen layout. Uh, you know, you want to gain information on the job while you're working on a regular job. You want to gain as much information as you possibly can because in the back of your mind, you want to set up your own business. So one of the things that I always, well, I won't say always, but I've observed one of the things that I think, you have people who, let's say, are very good at what they do um, just in general, let's and let me just use what you do for example. You know, they may be very good at preparing food, okay, and say, hey, I think maybe I want to go into to business, you know. I, but in terms of managing the business of, you know, of serving food, you know, to a clientele of having a restaurant or even a food truck or or whatever the case may be. Um, You know, some people are not necessarily as gifted on the business side as they are on the side of the craft. Um, And so that might pose some challenges. And then the other thing that I noticed too is um, taking the marketing of the business into serious consideration. You know, um, when you first start, you know, for it, it, well, even before you start, word of mouth may be good to a degree, but then being able to get the word out about what you do and, and effectively market your business, I find I, I see that to be a big challenge in some cases. You're absolutely correct. I've I've talked to uh, people that would say to me, for example, uh, my wife is a really great cook. We're going to open up a restaurant. And, you know, you want to be encouraging. You know, you want people, yeah. because I believe in entrepreneurship and I teach entrepreneurship. So you want to be encouraging. But you want them to be realistic as to what they're looking at and what they're getting into. There's, you know, and that's why I say it's a couple of things. Even if you work in a business, even like, and it's been said, that great chefs don't necessarily make good operators. Mm-hmm. Because they're concerned with ingredients, they're concerned with having the best quality food and having a presentation look a particular way. All of those things cost a certain factor. So you have to know the business aspect of um, of, of what you're doing. That's that's more important in many regards than the actual product itself. You have to know the food costs. You have to know the labor costs. You know, if you're running a, if you're running a, a restaurant, for example, depending on the type of restaurant you're running, if you're running a steakhouse, your food cost could be 39%. Mm-hmm. 
but you're offsetting it with wine sales and with liquor sales. You know, so those are your big ticket items that you're that you're marking items up with. Uh, even though it's running at thirty nine percent, if you're running at thirty nine percent and you have a chicken place, that's a problem. So you have to be able to to know um, the the marketing aspect, uh, the demographics, and who you are trying to reach, the target audience that you're trying to reach. You have to know. Um, the uh, the ins and out of the business. You have to know that back door. When I say that, you got to realize you have to do inventory. You have to make sure that all of your your product is in you know proper rotation. You know you have to you know you have to make sure that food product is not going out the back door. There's a waste factor involved there. You know, so there's a lot of different variables that go into the business. Um, you have to have a budget for equipment. And a lot of times, as an African-American male, when we go into business, we're not going into business with the funding. Of, for example, of, you know, you're walking into a bank and saying, um, i like to borrow $500,000, you know, because you're, you're coming up with a budget for two-year payroll. I have enough, you know, I have enough supplies to buy all my equipment and operating expenses. When we open up a business, we're primarily opening up a business on grassroots. You know, we are uh, either we're getting money that we've saved ourselves, we're, you know, maybe even borrowing from relatives, which can be a very difficult thing. And, uh, and we're going into business with that shoestring budget, you know. So you have to, the, you have to be very, very uh, cautious but very strict, strategical as to how you uh, place uh, and where you place your business and exactly what you're going to do. So you have to have a comprehensive business plan, and, and that's going to be your, your roadmap to how you're going to operate your business and where you see your business three years, three years down the road, five years down the road. How do you feel, what are your thoughts about um, partnerships um, and and whether or not they work, um, you know, I know in some cases partnerships are good. In some cases, you know, it's hard to say. And the reason I ask about this is, you know, because of the question I asked before about and something that you mentioned too about. Yes, you know, my wife or or my you know relative or whatever they you know sew well or they cook well or they whatever they do they do it quite well. But in terms of, you know, the, the business aspect, in terms of making sure that the business is successful, it may take a different type of brain, I think, in some cases, to, to, to make that success come to fruition. So, you know, it may require another person that may not necessarily be the great cook, but they may be the great business person. What, what's your thought on that? My thoughts is that a partnership, and I've, I've been in partnerships before, but a partnership is like a marriage. It really is. I mean, you have okay. to you have to be in sync with that person. You know, you have to know exactly, um, you know, your relationship with that person. You just can't just go into business and then develop the relationship. Okay, and 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 a true partnership, you have to be in sync because. As a chef, if that chef wants to produce a particular product and it costs X amount of dollars, for example, mm-hmm. 
it wants to use a prime steak, for example, as opposed to another cut of meat, a choice steak, the price difference is considerably higher. Uh-huh. Well, that partner, on the business aspect, may say, well, you know, this is, this is, we can't afford this. And he may be right. So you're going to have conflict if you're not in sync. You have to develop uh-huh. that relationship before you go into the partner. Partnership, and then there's another aspect of partnership too. So you have a, you have a, a silent investor. You have people that will invest in a in, in a business, you know, that mm-hmm. they perceive could be successful. And that person is primarily their goal is primarily just putting the money in place, and but they don't want to work the business, but they want to look at the books. So. So that type of relation, you have a different relationship with that too. So, but but what it what it all boils down to is that you have to know the ins and out of your ship. I say ship. If it's a restaurant, you know, it's like you're the captain of the ship. You have to know exactly how to work the engineering part. You have to work the, you know, the decks. You have to know every aspect of that business so that you can instruct, you can teach, and you know what's going on. I've seen food go out the back door in some establishments that they've lost thousands of dollars in, in inventory, you know, out the mm. back door. I've done consulting work for companies where I've actually gone into companies and actually observed what's happening and identifying where their loss is. You know, we have the business. I don't understand why the numbers are not reflecting it because your inventory mm-hmm. is off. You know, so these are the things that you got to watch. I mean, you have, you know, um, you have a, a prime rib and a cryovac, and, you know, a dishwasher can take and throw in the garbage can and, you know, walk it out the door and throw it in the truck and throw the trash in the, in the, in the bin. I mean, you don't, you have to be on top of everything. So it's not just a matter of cooking. It's not just a matter of, of, of having that ability to do that. You actually have to, you have to have the knowledge of the business. You know, the food costs, the labor costs, uh, your overhead. All these percentages have to come to terms, and um, and they all have to balance and how to bring in labor and how to attract labor. And you have different levels of labor, you know, different skill sets. So, and you have to be able to um, have the ability to step in, I believe, and actually cook. And now I instruct my chefs how to cook now. Uh, and I'm, I do more um, uh, office work, if you will, and more of the booking of parties and functions. But, um, you know, I keep a chef's jacket in my truck just in case, <laughs> in case the chef wants a raise uh, on the floor. Uh, listen, you got to give me more money, I quit. Okay, all right. I have my chef jacket in the truck. I can do this, you know, and you have to have that ability to be able to step in and to do it so that you're not held hostage. So it's a lot to go in business, but um, entrepreneurship is the key to generational wealth. And it's mm-hmm. the key to a lot of people, young people that are going to college, which is a wonderful thing, and I definitely believe in education. But um, people from all over the world come to this country to learn. I mean, they come to this country to go into business for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a capitalistic society. It's designed for it. You know, and we have to teach more of our children and more of our people entrepreneurship, but also teach them the actual workings 
of a, of of that particular craft or business that they're going into. You mentioned too, uh, which one I've even <laughs> come to realize that unfortunately that the the financing is a really difficult uh, struggle for a black business a lot of times. Um, you know, if you don't already have like some generational wealth in in place to help you uh, move to the next step, uh, you know, trying to get you know, go someplace that you may, let's say you've been banking there for years on a personal level, but you go and you try to get a loan for a business, and that's a whole different uh, scenario. Uh, you know, you, oh, you have to be in business for X amount of years, and you have to have X, Y, and Z. And then you, the, so you have that on one side, and then on the other side, like you said, trying to maybe get someone, get some uh a loan or something or, or, you know, some cash from family or friends, you know, that you say, you say well, geez, you know, this is my family. This is my friends. They are supposed to support me. They're supposed to believe in me, but, you know, they, they're not willing to cough up the money per se. Uh, how do you manage that? How do you, what do you, you, how do you navigate that? Well, a couple of things. Um, a lot of times when you borrow money from family and friends, you want them to remain family and friends afterwards. Right. And um, and often that can be a problem. Um, it's an investment. You know, people have to realize if you invest money in a person to uh, operate a business and to actually go into a business, you know, you're investing in that business. So the first rule of investment, don't invest what you can't uh, afford to lose. Okay, that's the first rule. So if you invest $50,000 with a um, a particular relative and they're going into a small carry-out restaurant business and you've had your agreement as to what you're looking for in return, how this is going to be dispersed, what your expectations are is for that person to make the business successful. But at the same time, you have to be realistic. You know, what What my expectations uh, as an investor is to make sure that this person has done everything they possibly can to make it successful. Mm-hmm. I have to be realistic and say it's a possibility of me losing. Often relatives look at it from um, <laughs> the two, two-sided coin. In other words, hell's I win, tails you lose. If you... I invested 50000 in you, and it's successful. I make $100,000, wonderful. But I invested $50,000, and it's not successful. You owe me the 50000 That's not an investor. You know, it's a chance. Mm. You're, you're taking a calculated chance on whether uh, to go into business with someone, you know. And you're, you're, you're investing in that person and their ability, you know, based on mm-hmm. your judgment. And mm-hmm. as the money that the person that is receiving that money, you know, to invest in their business, their obligation, what their primary obligation to do everything in there, humanly possible to uh, make sure that, you know, that investment is, you know, secure. They're, in other words, it takes, they're working 12-hour days, 15-hour days. They're there doing everything they can. It's 911 hits and the economy goes bad and, you know, things go down and they're still in there working and trying to make things happen, how can I be mad at that person? 
you know. Mm. Now, on the other hand, if they invest, I invest the money, and that person um, happens to um, uh, go and, uh, you know, they work a couple hours, they show up a couple hours a day, and, you know, they're, you know, going to play softball and golf and work, and the business is failing, that's a problem. That's a problem because yeah. I feel as though I've been cheated. So, you know, you have to be realistic, you know, going into um, business with a with an investor. So a true investor realizes that it's a, it's you know, it's a, a possibility I can lose. Okay, so that's first of all. The second aspect, we just want to make sure that, um, uh, you know, we go into business grassroots. I've never... I've owned seven restaurants before from Chicago to Orlando and um, eight different catering businesses. And I've never borrowed any money from a bank to go into business. Um, It's always been what we call shoebox money, if you will. You know, it's the first restaurant that was started with with money that was saved, money that was just Mm -hmm. hard work and saved. And even some borrowed, you know, I was at at, at the time, I was 23 years old, and borrowed money from my uh, parents that uh, put up a little small investment. But my obligation to do everything I could, humanly possible, to make it work. And then selling that business and having enough money to open up a larger unit and to expand myself a little bit. But it it, it never started. As most, I would venture to say, most black businesses um, uh, don't start with money from banks. You know, small mom-pop businesses, um, look at Ed Gardner, for example, with softening hair products. He started in his garage making uh, hair products. He was a chemistry teacher in Chicago. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, and he went door-to-door selling this product. I mean, you know, until he was able to establish himself to a certain level. So it's, it's, it's a lot of grassroots um, base companies out here. And it can be done. Um, now, banks, sure, that's a wonderful thing to do. But I, you know, and I look at some of the projections that they've uh, they've given for, like a restaurant. You have to have a year worth of uh, labor put away. You have to have, uh, you know, um, you be able to pay your rent six months in advance, this sort of thing. And it's never been realistic for um, most minority businesses. <laughs> I was, you know, just thinking about um, how you're talking about investing, and I don't think people really realize that it's like <laughs> they'll say, "Yeah, you know, um, I- I'll support you. I'll give you X amount of dollars, but I want a free meal when I come in." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. How am I making money? How am I being successful if I've got to cut into my profit to feed you every time you and your crew comes in, you know? Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And you have relatives and friends that will come by the restaurant or or come by an establishment to support you, but they're looking for something for free. You know, you got to be able to stay in business. And we've, you know, we've experienced a lot of um, of those sorts of things, but you know, but all in all, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's very rewarding as an entrepreneur, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you are your own boss. Even though sometimes, especially in the beginning, you're working 15 hour days, um, you know, you're, you're you're doing a lot of things. You know, to actually, you're wearing a lot of hats. 
in order to get it established and to set up a, a, a foundation, if you will. And uh, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and I was thinking also too when you were talking about people investing and expecting this big return or whatever, but it's people don't say that when they invest in the stock market, which is interesting. You know, I mean, they're hoping to make something, but if they lose something, a lot of times, you know, well, the sane ones anyway, they just chalk it up to, the, you know, the, the risk that you take when you uh, invest in the stock market or the risk the that you thing. take when you buy a lottery ticket, okay? Uh, you may or may not get that back. So we, you have to kind of almost go into uh, supporting, you know, that, that person that you believe in it, kind of in the same way, you know, you are taking a risk, and, and hopefully it's going to be successful, but it may it may not be, and you have to kind of uh, take a deep breath and just accept that. Yes, and and but but again, the reality. I've seen families that were torn apart, friendships never mended, um, as a result of uh, that type of investment, and mm. um, they think the person doing the investment. They have a completely different expectation than they would from the stock market. You know, they their expectation because mm-hmm. you're a relative, you know, or they know you really well, that gives them mm-hmm. the license to, uh, like I said, hells I win, tells you lose. I flip the court. Mm-hmm. There's no way. <laughs> In other words, if you lose the money from the investment, mm-hmm. you got to pay me back. But at the same time, you know, I put up fifty thousand and I make a hundred grand. Well, that's great. I'm entitled to it. So it's like it's 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 you have to be a, a mature investor. You have to be realistic, and that has to be established before there's any money exchange. You have to go into things with a really good intent, and um, and you know have a, you got to get a lawyer involved. I know people don't like that, but you have to sit down, have it written out on paper, uh, what the obligations are, what job uh, you know expectations. And, and and so on and so forth, you know. And um, uh, you want that person should have the right to see the books. You have nothing to hide. Um, that should be very clear, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning. You know, establishing the ground, the uh, level ground in the beginning, so everybody is on the same page. Okay. That's my recommendation. Okay. Well, well, thanks for taking the time and sharing that because you said a lot of stuff I think people really need to hear and understand. Um, And so tell me what's going on with you and and your business. How are things going? You got anything coming up? I know you've uh, had some events uh, previously. I still have to get over Mm -hmm. there. It's been a minute. Yes, we have. So we have a tremendous amount of catering happening um, um, in the month of September. But when we we come back with CB Bistro Jazz Club, so our primary goal is to just uh, bring some of the best jazz R&B performers in Central Florida, and we have. We've had uh, Daryl Moody perform with us. Um, there's been um, um, Jared Armstrong, um, Bakari mm-hmm. Clay. Um, I go on and on. Um, it's just so many different Carmen. It's so many different performers at Yoshi that have performed with us, and it's been it's been really really good. Yeah. So. I'll keep you informed of the new um, entertainment coming out. I'll be sending you flyers. All right. 
And we look forward to having you back next month, and we wish you much success, continued success this Black Business Month and going forward. So thank you so much. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Jean. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right, you all. So, you know, in the meet, so you've heard what he said. So if you're contemplating, you know, uh, you know, opening your business, you know, he's giving you some food for thought uh, in terms of what you need to do. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, just want you all to just take care, check on your family and friends that are up in North Florida, along, you know, the Southern Georgia uh, and Carolina areas and make sure that um, they're okay and, um, you know, we just got to keep everybody in prayer. But we're going to go, and hopefully God willing, talk to you tomorrow. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Make it all right.